Hi, I'm Maria Tejara Silvella says on social media. Welcome back to So Over 50 podcast on So Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. Thank you for the positive comments about Julie's Claire McArdle episode last week. I've passed on your supportive comments to Julie. Today, Julie Elba discusses more about vintage patterns and how her sewing motivation is influenced by iconic fashion designers. Thank you to the Patreon supporters of Soul Organized Style Podcast. Your monthly contribution keeps me producing these episodes for free. Julie, your sewing journey that I've watched has given me a better understanding about how the designers at the time used the fabric that was available to them to create amazing shapes. What's motivated you to sew from vintage patterns? Well, you know, I saw them as I started collecting patterns. I saw that there were so many of them by these really famous designers. And it was just thrilling to me to see that you could make something by Scaparelli from the 30s, or you could make something by Madame Gray from the 60s. And so I started collecting all of these designs and also started reading more and more about these designers and what their lives were like and their background and how they all fit into the story of 20th century fashion. I was really excited about the lives of these people, but also I just thought it would be so much fun to make something, for example, by Edith Head, because my late husband used to work on the Oscars. So we would go to the Oscars. We would go to things like the opening of the Hollywood costume exhibit. And when I was going to go to that, I figured, well, they're going to have a lot of things by Edith Head, so I should make something by Edith Head. And so I found a pattern from the 50s that was called a reverse bolero, which was basically a jacket that buttons in the back and gave it a go. And it's always exciting to try to figure out these old patterns because they were made for very skilled people who sew. And the fits can be all over the map, but they do often have a lot of really nice details. Like they'll have a little dart in the shoulder, back of the shoulder. They'll have darts at the elbows, little things that modern patterns don't really have that gave the design more shaping. Yes. Yeah. And so I had taken an online course with Susan Kalji, where I learned about how to do au couture sewing techniques, but also making a muslin and fitting a muslin, which I I find to be such an important part of working with these vintage patterns, because you just don't know what you're going to encounter. But it was always exciting to me to see if they were going to work out. And I think people really enjoyed following along with it, too, as I was writing my blog and also on Instagram. And then, of course, when, I, when uh, you know we were going to the Oscars, I would be making things and then the big reveal would be on the red carpet. But I never knew up until it was finished whether it was going to be great or whether it was going to be a disaster. So I was really sweating. But, you know, people were very, very nice about it and got a huge kick out of seeing one of their own on the Oscars red carpet wearing something me made. I think it was probably the only person there that was wearing something that she had made herself. It was amazing, you know, and you'd be there on the red carpet. It's like Julie's there and she's looking (laughs) stunning and she made it. So it was just really exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was so much fun. And I felt like I had people cheering me on. 
And I really don't like modern evening wear at all. I always got frustrated when I used to buy it. And for a long time, I wore vintage gowns that I would get in Paris. Back then, they weren't as expensive as they are now. So I've got like a Jean Patou gown from the 50s that was designed by Karl Lagerfeld and found some other things like that that I would rotate because they were already vintage. So I didn't have to spend a fortune to get some bad evening wear. And then it was, you know, even more fun to make my own stuff and wear it on the red carpet. And it gave me a lot of leeway in terms of being able to make fun, fanciful things. So I really, I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. I think you've answered the question about in a few ways, why people sew their own vintage style patterns because of the way that they're designed so that you can move and fit really well. But then you can also look vintage in a current fabric and you know that it's going to fit you. Right, exactly. And I actually, when I wear vintage things that I make now, I like having them not look too vintage because everybody should dress however they want to dress. And I know a lot of people really want to do true vintage. But for me in these environments, it was better for me to have something that harkened back to a vintage design, but still looked somewhat modern. So I'll make things like Claire McArdle jackets and I'll wear them with a pair of black pants to a dinner party or or when I went to Frocktails recently in New York, which was really, really fun. And the theme was disco, but I have already lived through disco days once. So I decided looking back to the 70s, it was also an era where people were wearing vintage clothes. So what I did was made something that was kind of an homage to Claire McArdle's little 1934 jacket and palazzo pants, but I made it the jacket out of sequined boiled wool. So it looked a little bit more disco. So it was really fun. And I thought it was just going to be a lark. And now that I finished the jacket, I think it looks great. And I'm going to wear some other places too. Good on you. Yeah. You looked really great on the night. You fit into the theme. Everyone who was there did something that reflected who they were. And it just looked like a brilliant night to be in New York. Oh, everybody just had a ball. Some people were wearing very, very 70s vintage and other people were wearing more sort of like hippie type of things. You know, everyone had interpreted it their own way and everybody's outfits look fantastic. And we all just had the best time. It was great. Mm, It was great. Yeah. You've helped me with my personal project for my diploma at college. So thank you for doing that. Wonderful. (laughs) Because what I did was I borrowed a book. It was about the the 20s to the 40s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why they wore bobby socks. Yeah. And it went through the societal changes that you were talking about. Right. But you've also talked about how American designers took French fashion and adapted them because of the people in the States and what their actual needs were. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. Well, and I can mention one other thing about the change of the French designs. Yep. And that is during World War II, the boats stopped running between France and the U.S. And the French fashion industry was pretty much destroyed when they were occupied by the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, the designers like Claire McArdle and others, Claire had been just chomping at the bit to get her name on the label and to start doing her own design. She was sneaking in her designs, but she wanted to do really her own American vision And because of the shutdown of the French fashion industry, all of a sudden, the magazines and the stores 
were promoting American designers like Claire. And that's when they all really hit their stride. And so that was really, I would say, the sea change from old European fashion to American fashion and the types of things that we're all wearing now. That's really interesting to learn. Thanks, Julie. Now, before we finish up, can you give our listeners some tips about sewing fabric on the bias? Okay. So if people want some tips about sewing on the bias, here's the thing about sewing on the bias. First of all, the bias is a 45 degree angle between the lengthwise and the crosswise grain. And you can find it. There are like quilting rulers and things like that that will show you the 45 degree angle. And to get the true bias, you really want to get that. And you'll notice that that angle is kind of stretchy when you pull it and that gives you some drape. But also after you cut it, it can get very fluid and it can be very, very difficult to work with. So when I sew on the bias, I really like to use kind of old fashioned fabrics. I like to use like cotton and I like to use wools and I don't like to use stretch wovens because the stretchy stuff in it can interfere with how the bias drapes. And one thing that I'll tell you about, if you're matching stripes and plaids on the bias, it's not that tricky to do. You cut the first one in a single layer, you have it pinned to the pattern piece, and then you physically flip the pattern piece over with the cut piece on it. And then you fit it into another piece of the fabric as though you're fitting it in a piece into a puzzle. And so the one that you've already cut out exactly matches the other and then you cut it out and then they're going to mirror one another. And when you're sewing in the bias, you want them to meet in the center front and the center back in a kind of a V or a chevron or else the garment will twist. So when you're sewing on the bias, sometimes it really helps if you can use a walking foot if you have one. But if not, sew really slowly. You're not going to push it or pull it through the feed dogs. And using a, a like a really narrow zigzag can help you with it. And if you find that your piece has stretched out a little bit, you try not to handle it too much, but right before you sew it, if it's kind of gotten a little stretched out, you can steam it and kind of smush it back together to get it to fit where it is. So it can be a little tricky, but it's definitely worth it because once you get the hang of it, the feel of it is really wonderful. So those are my little tips. And um, I think everybody should give it a try because once you master it, it's a really, really fun thing to do. And it's a great feeling in terms of wearing those garments. And that's really good information so that people understand that if you are going to attempt to sew bias, start with a cotton or a wool fabric and not to have anything that's got stretch built into it. It won't perform the way you want it to. And right. The advantage with cotton and with wool is that it's the steaming process that allows you to be more accurate when you're stitching and trying to bring those lines together. Whereas with synthetic fabrics, you don't have that advantage. Yes. And if you use a really narrow zigzag too, that helps because if it's gotten a little stretched as you're sewing it, you can steam it again and that helps squish it back with your hands. And I like your term, which was smooshing. Yeah. <laughs> line it up with a pattern piece, check it against the pattern piece to know exactly how long it needs to be. Yeah. In the Cashmere Catskills jacket pattern that we released, there's lots and lots of little tips in there for sewing on the bias. So check it out. Because all of those tips that are in that pattern are tips that you practice, that you've learned, 
that other people have tested, mm. the possibility of your getting it wrong is probably still there, but it's a lot less because of all the work that's gone into developing the pattern. Exactly. Because I've tested it and Jenny and people who work for her and we went through several versions, but I always recommend do a test version and get your pattern fitting right. Because once you've got it, then that pattern is available to you. For example, one of the versions of the Catskill jacket that I made for frock tails, I made it a little bit longer. I made the sleeve shorter. I checked the fit again and I put it together. I thought this fits really well. And now I have that pattern ready to go to cut for some other jacket. So I have some other fabric in my stash that I'm thinking (laughs) about it, but it really cuts down on time in the future. It cuts down on disappointment when you first make it because you know it's going to fit. And then if you want to make it again, it's all ready to go. It's a good investment in time and getting it right on a test version. Yeah. Awesome. Where can people find you online? Well, people can find me online at, I don't really blog anymore, but one of these days I may get back to it. You never know, but my blog's still there and that's jetsetsewing.com. But I'm mostly active on Instagram and that's my name, which is Julie underscore Elber on Instagram. Julie, thanks for coming onto the podcast for Saver 50 on Selgronized Style. And it's been great that you've shared so much with us. I'm sure that at some point we'll hopefully get back together for other specific topics. I hope so. Are we meeting in person someday? Oh, that'd be brilliant. (laughs) Thanks so much, Julie. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of Saver 50 Podcast on Selgronized Style was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Julie Elba, sound by bensound.com. If you want to provide a guest post for Sober 50, make sure you direct message Sandy at the Sober 50 account on Instagram. You can subscribe to Solganized Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sober 50 Podcast archive. And if you can, please consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.